Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort, and welcome to another edition of Comfort's Corner, where we bring you the inside story and what's happening in and around the public transit industry. And on today's episode of the podcast, we've got quite a lineup for you. Our, after our headline news, we'll be bringing you an interview with David Gerstel, who is the MBTA's Chief Digital Officer out of Boston. He'll be talking about some of the latest techniques they've been using to bring real-time information to passengers. And uh, that is a, the subject of much of our headline news today will be related to responding to and recovering from the COVID-19 crisis. Then, of course, we've got Mike's Minute focused on kindness. Alea Carey gives us a messaging minute. And then a taking a look at the future of public transportation with a special twist. All that on this episode of Transit Unplugged. Headline Washington, D.C. Um, this week of coming after the Labor Day weekend, when Congress returns to Capitol Hill, public transit agencies around the country and the American Public Transit Association are imploring both chambers of Congress and the administration to provide some critical federal support to enable the industry to survive during this unprecedented ongoing COVID-19 crisis. As Apta said, as the crisis has stretched from days to weeks now to months, remember when we first started, it was 15 days to slow the spread, and now what has it been, six months? Public transit systems, large and small, from coast to coast, are facing an increasingly dire situation. Transit agencies say they are serving essential employees every day, but without additional emergency funding, many transit agencies will soon need to cut transit service and routes, furloughing transit workers and leaving communities without service and jobs when they need us most. What I'm concerned about is what the, I think the New York Times called recently the death spiral of transit, where you have less riders, thus less revenue, which leads to less routes. You have to cut routes. Then when you cut routes, then you have less riders. When you have less riders, you have less revenue. And it's a downward spiral into the sand and it's not a good situation. Uh, as we know that there was funds provided through the COVID-19 first package of relief, $25 billion, but many large transit agencies are still losing millions of dollars, if not more, every week in revenue as um, the passenger counts have been kept artificially low through um, government-mandated shutdowns. Uh, plus, people are scared to ride. They, they, they've been told by many of the transit by many of the uh, public leaders that they need to be careful about riding public transit. And so while ridership is showing a slight increase in many cities, it still has greatly depressed ridership. Uh, the pause fare collection, the reduced tax revenues together with the operating costs to protect workers and riders have been devastating to public transit agency budgets. And so they're asking when Congress returns, APTA is asking for $32 billion in critical federal support. Transit agencies across the country are emailing their public officials asking for more funds. You know, the question is, uh, how dangerous is it to ride public transit? There was a recent article last week in National Public Radio uh, that said, uh, you know, is it safe to take public transit? The, uh, on the one hand, they said data reveals that people are staying away from mass transit in huge numbers compared to before the novel coronavirus. In New York City, for instance, subway ridership is just at 20% of its 5.5 million weekday riders pre-pandemic. But Transit, a mobile app providing real-time public transit data, analyzed 139 transit agencies spanning 68 metro areas in six countries and found that demand for public transit has dropped 53% since the onset of the pandemic, which is the numbers we've been hearing uh, over the last couple of months. About half the folks continue to ride the essential workers. And uh, government leaders, public officials, mayors, governors have said, 
you know, there's a risk of contagion of being trapped in an enclosed space for a duration of the trip. But ridership is beginning to rebound since April, the transit app data and other data that I've looked at personally has shown the number of those taking public transit has slowly but steadily increased. You know, for many workers, stopping commuting was not a choice. Many people have no alternative. And there's been not really very many academic studies that have systematically looked at the risks of mass transit. Although there has been some case studies from public transit, from public health authorities in Paris, Austria, and Tokyo that have been unable to tie any group of outbreaks to rail lines or city public transportation, uh, which is key. So there haven't been any studies that really show that, that, that I'm aware of. Um, many transit agencies have started extensive and exhaustive program of deep cleaning, like in New York City, where they put down the service from 2 to 5 a.m. every day to do the deep cleaning, and they do the, um, uh, the light, the flashing of the ultraviolet rays to help it. Um, New York subway system is using HVAC systems in each individual car, which turn over air quickly and filter out viral particles. Another small transit system has taken sanitizing to a new level in um, it's actually um, a 14 vehicle bus and van fleet operated in Oregon. They've done a new aerial sanitizing system. There's an article about it in this week's mass, uh, on this week's Mass Transit Magazine website. Um, it's similar to the uh, aeroclave system that's been using for some folks in, in other vehicles. But basically what, what happens is that each of the system buses is being outfitted with, ex with interior piping. So a portable unit can be attached outside the bus and within 30 minutes, the interior of each vehicle is completely sanitized and ready for use. So they're pumping in sanitizing spray inside the vehicle and it's a mist. It provides 100% interior coverage and contains no chemicals harmful to humans. And each vehicle is being sanitized after its last run of the day. Drivers put their keys up on a board for, and the buses are then uh, picked up and put and cleaned and then moved to the clean board. So it's a smaller system, but an interesting approach toward cleaning in the transit systems uh, buses there. So lots of interesting pieces of news coming out of the industry this week. Stay tuned now as we bring you an in-depth interview with uh, David Gersel, the chief digital officer for MBTA, the transit authority in Boston. Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Great to be with you on this episode of Comfort's Corner. And we have with us on our Newsmaker Hotline, David Gerstel, who is the Chief Digital Officer of the MBTA, the Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority, or the T as it's called, in the Boston area. David, thanks so much for being with us today on this episode. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and you've got a great uh, backdrop. You told me you're out there in a 250-year-old uh, house barn that was turned into a house somewhere up in Massachusetts. That's right. That's right. Trying to trying to stay safe during these crazy times. Well, that's exactly what we want to talk about today is how we can keep transit safe and some of the cool things you guys are doing. I was talking, um, I guess, with your boss, John Glennon, who is the CIO there, about some of the neat new, um, kind of I would call them future-proof items, you know, how to future-proof your transit agency. You know, you and I were talking offline about um, um, that whole concept uh, in a blog post I recently wrote for Trapeze on it. But I want to talk to you. You've got a really cool position that is helping you kind of analyze and focus on customers. So um, they're in Boston, Massachusetts. Why don't you tell us some about a little bit about yourself, your background, and then about the role, how it got created, and what, you know, what your main role of your department is there at the T. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a little bit about me. So uh, I have a master's in uh, transportation science, went from there to Caliper, where I was working on Transmodeler, the micro simulation platform. Uh, and then I took a turn uh, to working in, uh, in government. And so I was working a uh, federal contractor working on the Affordable Care Act and healthcare.gov. Um, and so when this, this opportunity came up uh, to work with the T, it was a kind of perfect marriage of working on transportation issues and then also uh, being able to work in, uh, in a government capacity and kind of understanding all of the, uh, the joys and challenges of working in a, uh, in a government context. Um, and so what have we been up to at the T uh, and, uh, and more about uh, my department? So uh, the customer technology department uh, was founded as a way uh, to really make sure that the T is doing what it can uh, to empower riders to make better decisions about uh, how to use the system and understand what is happening. Um, and so to, to achieve that goal, um, it was, it was stood up to be using modern software development practices, uh, which means uh, a product mindset. It means user-centered design, and it means using data-driven decision-making uh, as we uh, create products and try to find the best ways to be uh, serving folks. Um, did, and so- Did the department get started back like after that big snowstorm you all had a few years ago? Yeah, that's right, right. So out of the 2015 uh, snowstorm where the system was really ground to a halt, uh, out of the, the findings of that, uh, they saw that there was a real opportunity to uh, create some departments that would focus on the customer experience. Uh, and the T the has really done great work there. Uh, I've only been with the authority for six months or so now and was very lucky to inherit a fantastic and uh, capable team. Um, and so by having that product mindset uh, and really recruiting some top tech talent, uh, by having that, that type of mindset, we were able to take the tools and data that already existed in the system. So our existing uh, APC technology, uh, automated passenger counts, our existing system-wide radio, um, we were able to uh, start providing folks with real-time crowding information. Um, and, you know, this was <clears throat> something that the organization had looked at um, in the past to see, you know, is real-time crowding something that would be uh, important for a roadmap? And before coronavirus, it was, oh, you know, that's cool. That's nice to have. Um, but now, knowing how crowded a bus is, is no longer a convenience, uh, it's a matter of safety. Um, and so, you know, we're really proud of having been able to have the, the agility uh, to ramp up quickly and be able to um, use the technology we had to provide this important information to, uh, to our riders. And how do you provide it to your riders? And, you know, how can you kind of walk us through, because it is a new, kind of a new concept for people uh, you know, we're capping the number of people that ride buses now so we can promote social distancing. And so as somebody gets on the bus, kind of walk us through what happens and then how does that information get out to the rider? Absolutely. So the, um, everything is based around uh, the new 
crowding standard um, of 20 people on, on our standard buses. Um, so the first thing we did uh, was we worked with uh, our operations control center, see what they needed. Um, and they saw a need to understand how often they were getting bus full messages uh, so that they could better understand how to um, kind of spread the load across buses because uh, a lot of what they did was you know pair back service um, but then use run as directed buses uh, to be able to alleviate crowding so that we could try to make the system as safe as possible for riders um, and so by uh, first we were able to put together a report of when they were seeing these bus full messages as um, activated by the bus operators uh, and that was really helpful for operations to be able to spread out some of the crowding. Next, uh, we started looking at the existing automated passenger counter or APC data that we had on board the buses. Um, we saw that the data was often accurate, but it needed a little bit of massaging in order to be accurate enough to push out to the public. Because uh, our, our attitude is that uh, no information is better than bad information because uh, both we need to be, um, you know, engendering trust of the public, uh, but then also, you know, we really make sure that we're empowering folks uh, with the right information to, to make their journey. So we found that we were able to, to get the data so that they were good enough to be able to publish, um, put together the, the software, both to be able to push it out on our website and through our GTFS real-time feed. Um, but then on the other side, we did a lot of user research to understand um, what kinds of information did people need, what did they want, uh, and how should it best be presented so it'd be as useful as possible. Uh, and so that's, that user-based research is really a cornerstone of the way that we try to uh, attack problems here. Um, so we sent, uh, you know, usually you would do um, ride-alongs with folks, right? You'd be out in the stations handing out surveys. Clearly, that's not an option uh, during these times. And so we used Twitter. Uh, we had uh, our website capture people for surveys. We put them on screens. And we were able to get over a 1,000 responses on the survey to understand what kinds of information people needed um, and what the most compelling way would be uh, to communicate to them. We also did some, uh, looked at what the threshold was where people would think a bus was crowded. And so we like showed them pictures of the inside of a bus and said, would you consider this to be crowded or not? Uh, and so that way we were able to get to um, buckets of not crowded, some crowding, um, or crowded uh, that would help to let people know what was happening uh, on those buses. Um, and so, yeah, we've, we've been publishing that. We've been rolling out every two weeks uh, new batches of routes. Um, and uh, it's been, you know, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback uh, from riders on this. So is it real-time information, David? So if I'm standing at a bus stop, I can look at my phone and see either on the transit app or on Google or whatever that the bus, you know, the, the, the number seven bus, which is coming up here right now, it's currently full. Is that, is that, it's real-time. Am I understanding that right? That's right. 
That's yeah. right. Yes. And then what can what can I do with that information? I mean, obviously, when it gets to the bus stop, some people might get off, right? So I I might be able to get on. So what type of information? Right. What are people doing with that info? Are they deciding, hey, I'll get an Uber instead, or is there a secondary bus coming right behind it, or kind of you know, it is, since it's customer focused, what are the customers doing with that? Right. Uh, so what we found is that it depends on the situation, right? So um, some folks are on discretionary trips, right? And so they might use the information to say, oh, you know what? I'm not going to take this trip today if the bus is, is too crowded. Um, if it's somebody who's on a non-discretionary trip, then it depends on how late or early they are, right? And so if they're running a little bit early and they see that uh, the bus that's coming toward them right now is very crowded, uh, but the one that's behind it, 10 minutes behind it, uh, is not very crowded, then they might choose to wait for uh, that bus that's running running behind it. Okay, that's good. Interesting. Now, is MBTA, I know some agencies have enough vehicles, others don't. Uh, does MBTA have enough to do what they're calling chaser vehicles or whatever sometimes? So as much as operations can, they're trying to use, um, yeah, run as directed uh, buses. Uh, and so by they're trying to do the scheduling so that they have some extra capacity uh, to be able to use run as directeds in order to try to alleviate some of the crowding that they see uh, throughout the day. And and in general, do you, do you do at MBTAC ridership picking back up again, little by little, like a lot of other cities are experiencing? It is. You know, it's uh, there was uh, it definitely fell off a cliff there uh, at the beginning. Uh, but we've seen kind of a slow, steady uh, increase in ridership. That's great. Well, thanks, David. David Gerstel, who's um, working in the customer technology department as the chief digital officer. This has been a great conversation, kind of an in-depth dive at one of the mitigation efforts that you know transit agencies can do, which is provide information to their passengers about is the bus at capacity. And, and my last question to you is, do you think this is something that you all will continue to provide? even after, you know, we get through this COVID uh, current pandemic lockdown? You know, I expect so. I think um, it'll, it'll depend a little bit on how widely we can provide the information uh, and, you know, if it's continuing to provide uh, value to riders. Um, you know, we're definitely seeing that uh, there's also value to operations. Um, we we created uh, in, in partnership really at the, the request of our operations department, uh, a tool to help bus inspectors um, with managing the routes that, that, that they're responsible for. It's called Skate. They're able to see just on a little, uh, you know, $100 tablet, uh, the route ladders for the, the routes that they're responsible for. And they're able to see crowding information there too. And so um, I could see where, um, it'll continue to be valuable, you know, especially you look at, uh, there, there's other events in normal life where crowding is, is an issue, exactly. you know, sporting events, right. uh, holidays. And so, yeah, I, I think that there should be uh, value into the future. Excellent. Well, thanks for explaining it all to us today, David, and best of Absolutely. luck to you as you continue to provide, you know, great customer service to your passengers there in Boston. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate the opportunity. I'm Alea Carey, a communications consultant who loves working with public transit agencies. COVID-19 has been devastating for transit. That's not news. 
but the demand for new ideas has possibly helped the industry in unexpected ways. One silver lining we seem to be leaning into is this idea of public transit as a utility rather than a service. That's a big idea, so how can agencies start communicating as this new mobility utility on a local level? Well, step one is getting your brand right and building brand loyalty. First, understand your customer base from a utility perspective. For sure, the transit riding public is a part of that, but if you're gonna be a mobility utility, you need to get the brand across to the whole community. This might require broader outreach than you've done before, including new focus groups and surveys as you re-envision customer personas. Next, create content that delights and engages your customers on a brand level. That means you don't just sell bus tickets or communicate service basics. Use your communications platforms to become an integrated part of the broader community. Third, keep providing amazing customer service to support your brand's good name. Transit is luckier than utilities in a lot of ways, one of which is that we have so many great frontline employees who can act as brand ambassadors. If you'd like to talk more about transit communications and communicating your community's mobility utility, look me up on LinkedIn. My first name is spelled E-L-E-A, last name C-A-R-E-Y. Hi, this is Mike Bismeyer, Regional Sales Director for Proterra, and this is Mike's Minute, where we talk about leadership, kindness, and mentorship, with the hopes that it'll inspire you to pay it forward. I want to take a quick moment this week to recognize and thank those agencies, employees, and of course the leaders of those organizations who have helped out in the areas that have been affected by the wildfires and extreme weather that have continued to add to the challenges of 2020. Quite simply, the transit industry continues to show great leadership adapting service due to the pandemic, instituting new protocols, safety measures, and educating both their employees and ridership, I think it's been amazing to see what transit the essential service has risen to. Why have they been able to rise to the challenge? Well, quite simply, it's great leadership. We have seen it from the top down throughout the industry, but even more amazing is seeing new leaders emerge, willing to take on challenges, extra duties, share their ideas, and ultimately put ridership first in spite of the challenges. Add to that the most recent publishing of the top 40 under 40 in transit, it is exciting to see the future leaders that will help transit redefine itself and emerge better than ever. It reminds me of a Brian Tracy quote, the true test of leadership is how well you function in a crisis. Well, I actually think we're in great hands. It's exciting. Thanks for listening. Kindness is cool. Have a great week. That was a great, uh, great information and great, great feedback from some of the, the leaders in our industry on this episode of Comfort's Corner, Transit Unplugged. How did you spend your COVID-19 lockdown? Well, I spent mine working on a new children's book called Public Transportation from the Tom Thumb Railroad to Hyperloop and Beyond. Spent the five months working with an illustrator, Sudeep KP, who I basically met by outsourcing the illustration for the book. I put it out on LinkedIn and asked people, anybody interested in being an illustrator for a children's book? And after a couple uh, folks talked to me, Sadiq was the one that could do it. And um, he's been working with me every week over the last five months. We worked on a storyline, a storyboard, and then the illustrations and how we would share with children uh, the story of public transportation 
basically the past, present, and future of public transportation. And my, my heart was to capture the interest of children in the public transportation industry, which has been given a black eye, to be honest with you, uh, through this COVID-19 crisis, as government leaders have told people, you know, beware public transit, it's a petri dish for germs. And now we're seeing there really isn't any data to back that up in the studies, case studies that have been done around the world. And so I wanted to reintroduce children to public transportation and maybe for the first time tell them about, you know, did you know that the time zones in the country that we now have were set because of railroads? Um, and uh, did you know that, you know, public transportation got its start in a race between a horse and a train and the train lost because it broke down? All too familiar story for those of us who've been in the industry for a while. Those are the kind of things we talk about in our book, Public Transportation. Um, where children can discover its history and how public transportation has improved our world and what's next. Beautifully illustrated pictures and fun facts, I think, will enthrall children of all ages. I uh, have sent out the book to a number of people, showed it to my own grandkids and nieces and nephews, and they love it. Um, and uh, even just last night, I heard from a public transit leader in Australia who said, Paul, I, I learned stuff by reading the book that I never knew. We did a lot of research on the book. And basically, each page of the book shows um, a picture of a vehicle and talks at the top just a few, maybe one sentence or two about, you know, what that is. And then there's little um, did you know or fun fact bubbles. My daughter, Melissa, had told me that uh, she always enjoyed that in books when she was a little younger. She's 21 now. But when she was younger, she liked books, which gave a little fun fact. And so I said, that's a great idea. So on each page, uh, you know, we have little little fun facts or did you know um, facts, you know, such as um, and, and it just gives a little more information to people. So there may, there's a page that talks about GPS, global positioning systems, and has a picture of a satellite and says in 1993, the global positioning system called GPS was launched using satellites in outer space to help determine the exact location of planes and later buses and trains on the earth. And then a did you know fact that attracts, GPS also tracks bus or train speed and lets you know where your bus is and when it will get to your bus stop, those kind of things. Each page is beautifully illustrated in a glossy book with a different type of public transportation from the past, from the present, and even into the future where we talk about Hyperloop. And then, um, you know, the next phase is air travel and they're calling them electrical, electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft called VTOLs, where it's, uh, you know, a vehicle that can take you up in the air. And, and uh, within a few years, I predict, you'll be able to push a button on your phone just like you do now on a mass app. And you'll be able to call an unmanned vehicle, a drone, uh, to your front yard, pick you up for $99 and take you downtown and drop you on the top of your transit agency building. Those are the kind of things that are happening. So we talk about that in the book to kind of capture their imagination, make them interested in public transportation, tell them about how important it is and what they can expect in the future. There's so many jobs in the public transit industry that young people might be interested in. This is a great way for you as a parent or grandparent or an aunt or an uncle to show your, you know, the children in your life what you do for a living, you can sit down with them. And I've had a number of, uh, just last night, uh, a friend of mine who is an attorney for a transit company said she shared it with her five-year-old and he was enthralled with it. Um, right now it's available on Amazon for a digital download where for, uh, you can uh, order it, pre-order it, and then it'll download to your tablet or your phone October 1st. And then on October 1st, the book is also available in this paperback glossy version where you'll be able to buy it and share it with your kids. And a lot of folks are homeschooling this year. I've had a number of parents tell me they're gonna insert this into their curriculum. I'm hoping even schools pick it up. 
Uh, Lauren Skyver, the CEO and general manager of the Sunline Transit Agency in Coachella Valley, she looked at it and said, this delightful book shows children how public transportation has been a vital link to mobility for generations. It is important that the future leaders of our world understand its history and the integral role in building and sustaining communities. I can't wait to read this book with my four-year-old granddaughter so we can talk about using and supporting public transportation systems. And that is a way that we can uh, share with our children what's going on. Erin Pinkerton, president of BC Transit in British Columbia, Canada, said to me after she looked at it, public transportation is rooted in our history and will shape our future. This book is a fun, interesting, and beautifully illustrated way to encourage the next generation to understand its importance. The book really is a one-of-a-kind book. I went and spent time looking in bookstores prior to COVID and, um, and looked online. There's nothing else like it out there in the market today. A number of major transit associations are looking at the book, and you'll, you'll see a lot of publicity around it in major magazines. Metro Magazine's already covered it. Uh, Mass Transit's going to do something, and some of the big associations uh, like CTAA and hopefully APTA and UITP are all taking a look at the book. It is, uh, it's going to be a great new tool in our messaging to young people to tell them about the importance of public transportation and uh, not only, you know, uh, for their intellectual knowledge, but also to encourage them to enjoy riding public transit in the future as they get older or riding it with their parents, and then also potentially considering it for a career choice as they move on later in life. We know there's been a great brain drain in our industry, and folks like Phil Washington in LA are trying to help address that by starting a public transportation school. What better way than to put public transportation into your children's uh, mindset at a younger age where they can really get excited and think positively about the industry that you and I spend so much time in in our career and in our days. Thanks for being with us today on this episode of Comfort's Corner Transit Unplugged. And uh, I wanted to let you know that uh, our next uh, few podcasts are gonna be very interesting. For the next two Transit Unplugged podcasts, we're gonna have a focus on Australia with Neil Scales and Rod Staples. Two of the major leaders of public transportation will be on the shows on September 15th and September 30th. And then also I've interviewed uh, some of the winners of the top 40 under 40 uh, awards from Mass Transit Magazine. And so we're going to have um, interviews with three of the leaders on one of the podcasts and then three of the leaders on the next podcast on the next episodes of Comfort's Corner, which will come your way on September 23rd and October 7th. So the next month of Transit Unplugged podcast ought to be very interesting for you. As you know now, we were doing a podcast every other week with our traditional Transit Unplugged, but now that we've added the Comfort's Corner version where we can hear from people who aren't necessarily CEOs, we're doing a show every week. So every week you get a fresh podcast with a newsmaker interview. And then on the Comfort Corner ones, you get all the extra news and information that we've been able to provide you on a show like today's. Thank you so much for being a fan of the show. We still are ranked top in the world for public transit CEO interview podcasts. We're heard over 99 countries now. And uh, Andy Byford was on our podcast last week and he emailed me and said he'd been hearing from people all over the world saying that they had been listening to it gotten such great positive feedback. If you haven't had a chance to listen to his interview, as you may know, he is the CEO in London of Transport for London and came from New York. He talks about uh, his, his life and career, how he curated his career. It's a great interview and also talks about what's next for him there in London and what happened in New York MTA. So make sure you, if you, if you missed that one, do that and to make sure you don't miss it. I encourage you just to subscribe. You only get one email a week, which just says click here and you can listen. <laughs> That's all it does. It just make sure you never miss an episode. You can do that on our website, which is transitunplugged.com or through iTunes or any of the other dozens of uh, podcast platforms that our program is on. 
And if you are interested in having your CEO or a leader that you are aware of in the public transit industry appear on the podcast, email me at paul.comfort at trapezegroup.com. We'll take a look at that. Uh, we've got a number of interviews coming up where people have reached out to me and asked to be on the show. And we've said, hey, this is a great CEO interview. I'm happy to do that. I'm also happy to drop in and do a presentation at your transit agency. I just uh, did one this week. It was interesting. I spoke at Smart Cities Asia. Speaking from my home office, it was uh, broadcast across the world live to an audience in Kuala Lumpur, uh, Malaysia for Smart Transit. Just interesting about how to future-proof your transit system. I recently uh, wrote a blog post on that at the Trapeze Group website if you want to take a look at it. But I'm happy to do a 20-minute presentation at your transit agency or your transit company with your staff just as a way to continue my messaging of trying to be a transit evangelist and to help out during this time we're recovering from COVID to make sure that our messaging is sound and secure and that we do have a way forward on future-proofing our systems so they can be ready for any future pandemic or what might happen in the future. Thanks for being with us and stay safe out there.